What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the channel. Uh, I'm actually doing two chats this week, which is which is odd. I uh, I usually try to space them out a little bit, but uh, I'm super excited about this one, so I had to get it in uh, and quickly. So, but today I am joined by Yaroslav Barsakov. How are we doing today? Doing great. Good. 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 I mean, good you, <laughs> I mean, you just had a novella come out. I mean, you, you should be you should be riding high, right? Oh yeah, I'm riding high on dopamine, you know. So it's uh, it's really. I mean, I will probably have a dopamine hangover when this finishes, you know, after after the block tour. So I will be like, like, oh my gosh, what what am I going to do next? But right now, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that was the kind of the same thing I had going during TBR con. People are like, you got to be exhausted doing this. It's like, no, I, I'm getting that like adrenaline rush. Like everything's going great. It's good. You know, everything's hitting where it needs to be. And, you know, it kind of lasted for a little while. And then I really felt the hangover maybe last week, you know, beginning of this week. I was like, that was a long, that was a long week. Yeah. <laughs> all, all great, but long. But it was so amazing. The panels were so good. You know, I mean, this, this, this was uh, absolutely an exciting experience, you know. The, the personalities, you know, the people whom you put together for the, you know, for the panels, whom you organized, the moderation, the questions, the atmosphere, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. You should be at the forefront, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping, uh, so, so far next year's is, is shaping up to be bigger, but, uh, you know, it's, it's still super early on. I mean, we're only in February, so I mean, we've got what, 11 months to go. Um, but we've got to think about 70 signed up so far for next year's. Um, and then, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna start doing some, we're gonna have some zoom meetings to talk about it and try to make it bigger and better and promote it better and try to get more viewers. And, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. It, I think it'll be more fun than this year's, even though this year's was great. I, I thought it went really well. Uh, but I, I have a feeling next year's is going to be, you know, we're going to do it like on multiple channels. We're going to have, you know, more moderators. So I'll have to take the whole load. <laughs> Next year, I'm expecting those huge billboards, you know, on the on the high right, right, on yeah. the side of the high rises. <laughs> TBR con, man. We can yeah, do get that. it up in Times Square, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I want to talk a little bit about you. I want to know. Uh, tell me, who is Yaroslav Barsakov? Uh, I, I want to know. You know, where did you grow up? How how was it growing up? How did you get into writing? Uh, and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm Russian, very much Russian. So um, I grew up in Russia. I, I lived in Russia for the first 21 years of my life. And uh, actually, I was born in the Soviet Union, you know, but it, it's a weird thing to say because when people say I was born in the Soviet Union, they, you know, they mean I was born behind the Iron Curtain, you know. <laughs> and I wasn't because I was born right between Brezhnev and Gorbachev. And the, the war wasn't that cold anymore, you know, so we had uh, a lot of uh, American products. We had exposure to American media. And I actually grew up watching DuckTales and uh, uh, Gummy Bears, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so so that, that was cool. But the, the thing was <clears throat> uh, advertising uh, commercials, I think they were, they were lagging behind. So like, like uh, DuckTales came out, I don't know, 1987. In America and we watched it in 1991 so like a four years gap so I, I can I can confirm that but I have this feel that this gap also existed for all the commercials so we were watching like four-year-old commercials you know oh there's a new thing man uh, 
you know and, and i got got my first first like like first vision of america and uh, of, of the western world uh, from those commercials and for a long time for me the the image of america was from was uh, kind of dictated by those maybelline commercials you know so i thought okay this is um, america is two things it's it's those high rises like Chicago buildings and uh, beautiful women with huge eyelashes walking <laughs> past them, and Wall Street. So this is, <laughs> you know. I mean, you're not too far off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually it's 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 close to the truth. But then, I, of course, I understood that that you know the world is much more heterogeneous. But this kind of this this pull and this this initial longing remained, and uh, I, I emigrated to Austria uh, at 21 transferred from university to university uh, because I thought, okay, the, the U.S. is a little bit too far away, you know, the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. But um, Austria is, yeah, it's Central Europe. It's not so far. And we had some friends here, so why not? It's, it's, it's a cool country. It's, it's a beautiful country to live in. Uh, the only difficulty I face is I have to f speak three languages daily. You know, this, is, this is something I always say, you know, but it, it's the truth. So I, at home, I, I speak Russian. Uh, at work, I speak almost exclusively German because the Austrians, uh, you know, they're very keen on using using their, their language as opposed to English. And whenever we, you know, we, we do something online or whenever I write something, this is English. All, and of course, all the TV series, all the movies are also in English. So it's three languages. It, it gets difficult sometimes. It gets difficult also for writing because you're writing something and certain phrases, you know, you're writing in English, of course, but certain phrases come to you in German or in Russian. And, uh, you know, at first I just try to, okay, I, I need, okay, I need a little bit to think, I need a moment to think, how do I translate that? But after a while, I just started writing whatever comes to mind, you know, and translate this afterwards, you know, because otherwise you just lose your, your flow and come out of the zone. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that, uh, but this is a difficulty, you know, so a lot of things are mapped to the German neural pathways. A lot of things are mapped to English neural pathways. A lot of things are mapped to, to Russian neural pathways. And also different languages lend themselves better to certain expressions certain shortcuts in, in each language yeah uh how did i start writing i mean i i i was writing for as long as i uh remember myself you know so i was uh i, I wanted to write i think when i couldn't yet write so i dictated you know my books to my grandma <laughs> she, she wrote them down uh but you know what the fun thing is i i up until uh seven years ago up until 2015 well that's not seven years it's six years actually but anyway you know up up until 2015 i never thought about being published so i i kind of just wrote short stories i showed them to friends you know published them on some forums and i was happy with that i didn't think about being you know okay i need to sell that how how do i market that how do i make it marketable and i was happy for some reason now i mean the first thing i think about is okay how long will it be you know what's how do i start you know and so on what is the target audience but back then i was just just writing interesting i i try to remember this frame of mind this mindset i can't anymore you know uh yeah but i'm enjoying professional writing very much.
this is uh, this is uh, exciting. It's it's terrifying. It's a completely terrifying experience, <laughs> but it's exciting. And it, and it, I'm sorry to ramble on, you know, but no, you're good. In, in in professional writing, I think that there are two most terrifying periods. The, the first terrifying period comes when you sell your first, you know, before you sell your first short story, because when you start, everybody's telling you, "Look, your first short story won't sell." Man, this is the even if you're even if you're Proust, even if you're Shakespeare, if you're a complete genius, the first story won't sell. Don't just don't don't think about it. Just do something, you know. Try try to sell it. Try to to shove it, and then uh, write another one. Mm-hmm. And you know all that, but still, for some dumb reason, you don't completely believe that. It's we'll just write it, and it'll just why it will be wonderful, you know. And of course, right. the first the first story doesn't sell, and it's devastating, you know. You will you're like. Each time you get a rejection, it's 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 so hard. After you know hundred rejection slips, it's 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 you know you don't, you don't feel it anymore. But at the beginning, it's it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I've been lucky. I, I have to say, like my my second story, which I wrote professionally, sold. But uh, it sold. I mean, I'm still I'm incredibly thankful to two people, to Paul Tuttle Star and to Alison Wilgos, who were uh, editors of the Soctologer magazine. It's it's defunct now, but the archives are still online, and they published me. And after after the after the the issue of the magazine came out, they did a podcast about it where they discussed every story. And when they came to my story, they said, "Okay, well, you know, we published this story because we figured, what the hell, we like it." You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it doesn't quite conform to the you know to. To what do you expect of a science fiction fantasy story? But we, it, it was like it was like that gesture of, of okay, we think it's good, we don't care what everybody mm-hmm. else thinks, and they just took a chance on me, and I am incredibly thankful to them for doing that. So I've been I've been, I've been lucky in this department, but uh, but but still, like the first rejection slips were very very terrifying and very heartbreaking, and then of course the second period comes when uh, when the book the first book comes out and you get the first lukewarm reviews you know and again that's the same thing you expect the lukewarm re- reviews it can be all good but i mean when it, when it comes out it's like oh my gosh what is that <laughs> but then you get used to that as well you know yeah yeah i i i have to imagine you know when you get you know you get your rejections and and it's telling that piece in your brain that you think this story is so brilliant and it, and it just it just hammers it it's just <laughs> like you're not as good as you thought you were you're not yeah, exactly <laughs> and, and, I, and you know i i did uh i did real estate for a while and uh and i, I kind of i was kind of used to hearing the word no uh you know like are you looking for a house? Are you looking to sell a house? Da, da, da. And it's just, it's always no, 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 no. And then I was in, I was in, I did a sales job uh, for a summer when I was in college when I was trying to sell ad space and like our university, uh, like agenda, um, you know, you get like a year agenda where you can jot down notes and stuff and then they have, per, you know, ads and so forth. Through them. And I mean, I think I got one yes out of about a 150, 200 businesses that I spoke to. And I was like, that really makes you, your skin thick, but it also makes you not want to be in sales. <laughs> so <laughs> I would I would think, you know, getting 100 rejections would be like, maybe I don't want to do this writing thing. <laughs> yeah. No, 
honestly honestly man you first of all it's it's a very good good uh anal analogy and second uh there's a saying that writers have to be like prize fighters you know you punch them in the face they get up you punch them in the face again they get up you punch them in the face again you know rinse repeat <laughs> yeah but it's but, like you, you can't you can't get ko'd you have to you have to keep getting back up you know you, you yeah. may get tapped to nine but you gotta you know at least get back up on your knees <laughs> <laughs> exactly no but it's it's also you know if you if you have this this drive to write if you have something some things that that need to come out you know mm -hmm. they will they will still come out it'll be you know like torture like a you know again terrifying process but they will come out but yeah i mean it's um it's getting rejections is not pleasant and the the worst thing is uh same as in sales right uh people will never tell you uh, or maybe maybe in sales they will tell you that the pest they will tell you you know why they're saying no but in 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 literature mo most rejection slips are formal you know mm -hmm. they just just shoot you i mean they used to be more personal previously when people were actually mailing stuff you know with the physical physical letters but uh, right now everybody has a chance to to shoot an email it just takes about two minutes to press a button. <laughs> it takes so, two minutes to say, sorry, you're rejected. Bye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm, 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 more, I'm saying more from the other side. So it's, mm. it's a lot more, uh, a lot more submissions now, you know, because yeah. people, people you know, previously, you know, you, you write something, think, okay, I have to go to the post office, have to buy some stamps. Uh, do you want to do that? I don't know, you know, but now you can mm -hmm. just attach the word document, shoot, shoot the email. So the amount of submissions is huge. And the magazines like Clark's World, for example, they're receiving uh, more than a thousand submissions a month and they publish only six stories and uh, most of them are solicited. So mm -hmm. they publish perhaps two stories out of this 1000, you know, and there is uh, no way they can respond with a meaningful rejection to each one of the submissions. So you get a rejection which says, thank you so much, well, we won't be using it, <laughs> you know. I can't, I can't imagine how they process that many submissions either. Yeah, I mean, they're first readers. So there are basically two lines of defense. <laughs> the first readers who uh, basically like 20 people who who divide the it's called the slush pile. Every all the mm -hmm. submissions are called the slush pile. And I think the the origin of the term is uh, uh, when again, when submissions were physical, uh, the uh, editors would would lock the would lock the building when they would go uh, into the weekend. And people, writers would would slip the submissions, slip their stories under the door. And then when the, when the editors would open the door, there'll be like, like a huge pile of white thing, uh, you know, at the entrance. And this is what's called the slush pile. And uh, uh, so the, the first readers are reading the slush pile. They're, they're working their way through it. And then if they recommend something, it goes up to the uh, managing editor, usually. And then if the managing editor says yes, then it goes to the to the editor editor in chief and then you know so it, it kind of goes through stages but it's it's still an insane amount of of uh, of submissions insane amount of stories which have been tossed around but when you get at this formal slip it's really soul crushing because uh, there is no indication as to why it was rejected maybe it was a small thing you know something mm -hmm. you know we do i mean we wanted uh, a more active protagonist or we didn't like the you know the main hook but you think the thing which which first comes to mind i'm i'm completely worthless <laughs> you know it's 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 no good uh but it goes away with time this this type of thinking yeah i can i i'm sure i mean you know you gotta 
I mean, if you're going to continue to do the writing thing, you got to have thick skin, right? And you got to, I mean, I, I know a lot of authors who just laugh at one-star reviews now. And I mean, you, you know, you look at like Joe Ibercombry who like posts them on Twitter and he's like, today's one-star review and it just laughs at it. It's not like, I, I feel like eventually you just got to do that. I mean, you, you throw it out there. You have to know not everybody's going to like it. Hopefully some people like it. And if they do, they tell you they do. It makes you, you know, happy and giggly. And if they didn't, then you, I'm not the person you should be reading <laughs> or, or maybe not this one, you know? So, yeah. um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Every time, every time I think about sitting down to read, it's not even like, I'm going to submit this and get rejected. Or, uh, hopefully I submit this and I get approved. It's just like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I have all these ideas that are coming to my mind and I write them down and then I just don't do anything with them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how do I, how do I expand that? I don't, I don't know where to go from here and I'll, or I'll write a couple of pages and I go, maybe I should have like outlined or something. <laughs> I feel like I have a really good beginning, but I have no middle or end. <laughs> well, I mean, having a good beginning is, 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 a, is a huge thing because I have an exactly opposite problem. I have, I always have the end exactly, exactly in the form in which it it appears in the in the end product, I n I never in my life I think rewrote the ending. But man, I rewrite the beginnings all the time, all the yeah. time. Like for Tower, for Tower, it's it's like the fifth or sixth variant of the of the beginning which I wrote, you know. And the reason for that is, you kind of you you approach the story in a much different way than uh, a reader which who just comes in fresh approaches it, you know, because you know, everything, you know, the characters, they're like buddies to you, you know, maybe, maybe enemies, if they're, they're the antagonists, you know, the, the setting, you're intimate with the story itself, with all the narrative turns. And then a person comes in completely fresh, completely unaware of, of any of this. How do you make this interesting? How do you make this not overwhelming? You know, because at the beginning you have to, to do the exact amount, the right amount of world building. On one hand, not to overwhelm the reader. On the other hand, to 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 give the reader a glimpse of things to come. You know, mm -hmm. you just you can, for example, start a, a fantasy. Uh, so we had those tulips in the in the first scene of the uh, uh, of the of the tower, uh, because my editor told me, okay, listen, we need the tulips there, because otherwise uh, you don't have, you don't have the, the hint that it's really fantasy. Mm -hmm. So the, the first the first beginning which I did was uh, uh, very like like George Martin style. There were like some you know some some uh, some politics. There was there was you know just just people basically interacting with each other. And then you don't get get the gl glimpse of what's what's to come. You know mm -hmm. you need to you need to give it to, to the reader. So you have to balance this this thing like like almost like an equation. And I rewrite beginnings all the time. I feel like some of it's a little bit, you know, like how much do you want to show and how much do you want to tell? Exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, and I can see what you mean, you know, about, about putting that little bit of the tulip in there because otherwise it just feels like kind of like steampunk, you know, yeah. you've got, you know, you've got your airships and, you know, there's, there's some, some machinations going on, but you know, that's kind of all you see. And then you get that and you're like, well, that's interesting. I want to know more about that. And then, you know, the, the the way you do it, you know, you you just kind of casually mention it every now and then, <laughs> you know, without without showing too much, which which is intriguing. I, I feel like if you do too much show, you don't 
you don't keep the reader going. You're just kind of like, oh, well, I know, I kind of know what happens. And then, but if you, you know, if you just kind of hint at it or here's a glimpse, kind of like, a, you ever seen the movie Cloverfield? Of course. Where, yeah, you know, where, monster, where, you, you know, know, you don't show the monster. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you don't really see it until the very end. So you're like, I don't know what this freaking thing looks like. So you just keep getting like aerial photos and like the backside of it going down the street, you know, that it keeps you going. And I, and I feel like there, a lot of fantasy today is, is a little bit more tell than show. Um, you know, there, 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 there are some, maybe some sequels that, you know, show a little bit more, you know, you've got a whole, you know, battle for a hundred pages or something, but, but yeah, I, I think that's what really kept me going is because, you know, granted Shay Ashcroft is a phenomenal protagonist and the way you, you started it out, you know, I've never seen an intro where, you know, I don't want to get too spoilery, but you know, you, you, they, they go to this area and have a discussion and, you know, he's kind of seeing it play out and you're like, okay, I see where we're going with this. And then, you know, you, you do see the tulips, you know, super early on. And you're like, okay, that's interesting. I want to know more about that. And it just kind of progresses from there. Um, so kind of to get back to some questioning before we get a little more into tower, um, sure. Who uh who were some of your writing influences growing up, and uh, you know maybe who who did you read uh you know when you were younger, maybe even now? I mean, two writers. I mean, I, I love a lot of writers. I love uh, Graham Greene. I love uh, Naipaul. I love Julian Barnes. But from from the science fiction and fantasy field, my absolute two favorites are Roger Zelazny and Ursula Le Guin. Uh, so Ursula Le Guin is, uh, has been a major influence for my whole life. You know, I, uh, I remember, I, I think I read everything, absolutely everything by her. And uh, it's, it's the, uh, the human aspect of her writing, which, which really, really excited me and which continues to excite me. It's, it's really, uh, it, it centers on the characters, on the struggles, and it, it's less about, so you have fictional elements, you have speculative elements, but they mainly set the stage for the human drama. And this is something I try to do in my, uh, in my stories and, and, um, uh, as well. And Zelazny, I just love his prose. And I mean, he, he was, <laughs> it's also very interesting because Zelazny, he started as a poet. So he first, he first write, wrote poetry and then he thought, okay, I can't really, uh, I can't make a living doing poetry there's there's no way i'll be out on the streets in no time so i have to do some some, some writing you know uh, but um <laughs> the funny thing is i never wrote, read any of his poems any of his poetry until recently because recently the uh, new england science fiction association nespa put out uh, a six volume uh Zelazny short story collection it's not only short stories there are some some novels as well some some novellas it's basically everything which which came out in the magazines and back then people serialized everything like like dune mm -hmm. was serialized uh this immortal by Zelazny was serialized um and uh also this short story collection included his poetry and I remember I, I once read the eulogy for Zelazny written by George Martin. And uh, the background is that Martin and Zelazny both lived in Santa Fe. I think Martin still, still does. And when Martin arrived, uh, he, I think he, he, Zelazny loaned, loaned him some money or something and they became friends. 
and they remained friends, friends until Zelazny's death. And uh, Martin writes that by the end of his life, Zelazny played a little bit of tabletop RPGs. And being the amazing creative mind he was, he created a lot of characters for those RPGs. And one of those characters was a Chinese poet declaring uh, bad rhymes thunderingly as he walked down an endless road. And, and apparently from, from, from how he wrote it, uh, Martin firmly believed that, that the poems were bad on purpose. <laughs> but, <laughs> but honestly, man, I, I, I read the, the Jelazny's poetry in this sixth story, in this sixth volume collection, and it's, uh, I don't know, man, I, th I don't think it was bad on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the man was, was incredibly lyrical, incredibly eloquent in his prose, but I just, I can't read his poetry. And I, I'm so thankful that, 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 that we got Zelazny, the, the, the prose egg and not the, the poet. I mean, mm -hmm. but, his, but his prose was, was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. It was, it was so, uh, uh, I, I only wish I could write like this. <laughs> so uh, since he was one of your favorite writers, is that kind of why you decided to serialize Tower of Mud and Straw? Because didn't you bring it out in, in, in this kind of a serialized fashion before it got published? Yeah, I wanted to copy, you know, copy my idol, you know, copy the. Um, it, it's it's funny, but it is it, it it's 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 like this. So it's there's not there's no achievement tied to to serializing, you know. It's just it's, it's you know th those things are done, but still, you know, okay, I did it like Julian did it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just curious because I know I know like you know uh, there are some authors that do uh, stuff on like Patreon where they'll you know, do like a chapter a week or a couple of chapters every week for the people that, that subscribe to them. So I was curious if that was a mode that you were familiar with and if that's kind of why you decided to do that or was this just how you kind of planned it out? No, I, um, I wasn't familiar with this mode, but uh, um, the thing here is that, that it, it, you know, serialization imposes certain constraints. So first of all, you have to break the story down into co comparable chunks. Mm -hmm. So my editor told me immediately, okay, Yare, look, at most four parts, each part at most 10,000 words. So uh, spoiler alert, I didn't make it. So, so <laughs> immediately the first part was, was like 12,000. Uh, but uh, I mean, I... Thankfully, he he said, "Okay, let let let's let's roll with that." But uh, the thing is, yeah, you have to you have to break the story into those chunks, and those chunks uh, ideally have to to be able to stand not to stand out on their own. You need obviously the information from the previous ones, mm -hmm. but they they have to have certain beginning and a certain resolution, you know, and a certain pull for the reader to go into the next one. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's it's. Um, uh, it's 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 a constraint. It's a constraint, definitely. But somehow the story, uh, which the way I devised it initially, the way I outlined it, it lended itself to this structure real well. So I just got lucky. Yeah, yeah. Are, are you are you planning on using that mode on future works? Because I kind of I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, I, I didn't read it as a, as a serialized novella. Uh, you know, clearly I just read it straight through um, in the novella form. But is that something that you enjoyed enough that where you do it again? I probably not because you know, <laughs> probably not. I'll tell you why. No, it, it, was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. But <laughs> the thing here was, uh, I I thought that it it would be like almost like like a TV series, 
you know mm -hmm. so you will you will kind of uh you will publish the first part and then people will talk about it maybe if you're lucky and then uh you know you will get into the second episode you will you will promote it and people will talk about it some more and you know there will be some discussions but it doesn't happen mm -hmm. because the thing here is uh you have promotion mode for short stories where where, where they promote basically the, the the whole magazine issue and you have promotion mode for books when they promote a certain book and uh the the all all the things that fall in between are highly problematic how do you promote for example a you know uh, a second issue of a magazine came out where the second part of my novella is it's 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 difficult you know yeah it's it's difficult to promote and and it's uh we tried a lot of things so we, we like even did a, a reddit Emma, uh Emma, uh you know ask me anything thing when the first part came out uh but we did it like for the for the whole magazine mm -hmm. and uh it was an interesting experience but still it's 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 kind of a bit modeled i would rather rather either promote a short story in a single issue or a whole book you know yeah makes sense yeah and you know there's only so much you can do you know on social media yourself as well I and mean, you've got to get other people involved and get them, which, which is kind of you know, the issue I did with TV arc on. I mean, you know, now I've got 15 reviewers on my site, so I have other people to do it on top of other blogs and so forth. But that was my main issue is that I just didn't have the backing for it. So it's just like you either see it on my feed or hopefully an author talks about it a little bit. And that's about it. Cause I mean, you know, there, there's some other places that you kind of have constraints for um, like everybody asked me, why didn't you put it on Reddit? I'm like, because it's self-promotion. They don't allow you to do self-promos. I mean, you've got, what is it, like one and a half million people on fantasy, you know, our fantasy yeah. or whatever. I'm like, I'd love to tell everybody about it, but they they, they smacked my hand when I did that for MaydayCon last year. So, um, you know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not super, like, about Reddit. I mean, no offense to anybody who is. I just – it's not it's not really my forte. I, I don't I, – I read – books i don't read posts so yeah, i know what um, you mean. yeah so uh so the fact that i only post you know i've only posted there like five times it kind of leans itself to going okay i'm just gonna be doing a bunch of stuff for those and it's not gonna happen anymore so um but yeah it's it i completely understand why you wouldn't want to um i mean if you think about it andy weir did that with the martian uh where he serialized it on his own website uh, and I mean, granted that ended up becoming a massive thing, but I mean, it took a while. Um, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where I didn't hear about it until the, it actually was published. So, so I mean, clearly the, you know, he had his own audience, but it wasn't as widespread as you would have expected it to be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind if he did it again, but you know. I know you would want a bigger audience than just me. So. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Maybe a couple of years down the road, like if, if I'm famous, like like uh, just we're gonna uh, make you famous. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 honestly, honestly, man, I mean, this is this is a big truth of, of it, you know, because the the, the writers don't make the books uh, big, you know, mm -hmm. it's, 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 the, it's the, the reviewer, the reviewers and the, you know, uh, and the, the conventions, because you can have the best book in the world and nobody will see it. Nobody will read right. it. Yeah. It's, it's so I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful to the, to the reviewer community 
and to you and the TBR Khan and to everybody just for 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 pushing the book because you know without that I would have been nothing. Mm. Oh come on! No, honestly, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Net, it doesn't net matter. Galley helps too because <laughs> you get other people than just you know whoever whoever saw you on TBR Con. So I know I know Net Galley's big help for for you know early book reviews. Yeah. Um, and, and you know it's 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 reviews. It's uh you know big publications. I mean you know you got your starred review the other day, which is phenomenal. Um, I'm so happy. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, and then, you know, other, other authors talking about your books that have, you know, big followings and stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like a trickle down effect. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've been pretty stagnant for a couple of years with my blog and so forth. And I feel like it's, it's finally kind of starting to get, a, you know, a little bit of recognition. Um, you know, just, but I, like, I'm trying everything to do it. You know, I mean, we, like I said, I did, I did a small, you know, virtual con last year. Uh, I do all these these, these chats, I had a podcast, uh, at the, at the early onset of it, which I still, I mean, I still post stuff on there. Um, and then, you know, I did, I did TBR con. So I'm like, eventually this is going to start kind of like snowballing. Um, you know, and it, and it's not like I'm sitting here going, bring me all the success. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, if, if, if somebody just follows me, they're going to see all this great content and be like, this guy has all these great authors. We need to start reading these authors. But it it hasn't quite happened yet. Eventually, eventually. No, but it's either. it's it's nice. It's nice when you know I can I can Google fan fiatic and the like TBR con shows up. I'm like that's pretty neat. <laughs> oh man, man, you're big. Come on, you're big. Because the other the other day I went to this uh, science fiction uh, writers of America forums, and there is a spoiler again spoiler alert. There is there is a topic there for promotion reviews and and all that stuff. And uh, I just opened the topic and fan fiatic comes up three times. What? Yeah, so it's it's crazy. It's, it's, it's big. It's big. <laughs> and, and we had some some wonderful reviewers. Uh, in, you know, as I found out later in the in the audience uh, at, at this global sci fi panel, like Arena from from Queens Booker's Island was there, I think, and uh, uh, Aqua Venatos, Misty, Louis Young uh, mm -hmm. was there, and just uh, it's it's just great people. Great. Oh people. yeah, it, the community is amazing, and uh, you know it, and it's Bob. nice. John yeah. There. yeah, it's it's nice that you know we have we have this community because you know there there are a lot of people who you know who who do booktube and they're great. Daniel Daniel Green, Mike's book reviews, you know, Patrick Leo does does uh booktube stuff now. Um, but you know, then there's also kind of I would say the smaller side of it, you know, like like us, like some of the names you named, and then there's um, you know, uh Gosh, we got we got you know Bibliosanctum and a few others that are are known in the book community, but maybe not beyond that. Um, you know, I've I've done a little bit of booktube stuff here. Uh, you know, but I don't I don't I'm not big in booktube. I'm probably more known for the blog. But um, you just know, a I've, matter I've, of time. <laughs> just a matter of time to get yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's 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 nice because you 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 get that. You know that that book community is always behind you, no matter what. You know, unless you know you just do something malicious, but hopefully that doesn't happen. But uh, um, it, it's nice seeing everybody, uh, you know, pushing each other. Um, you know, I, I feel like I, ha I had several, um, you know, blogs that were that were talking about it and and reposting and retweeting and 
um, you know, we're, we're always kind of behind each other where it's sharing reviews or, or sharing, you know, chats and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like that helps a lot of debut authors. Um, I don't, I don't want to say we're the reason they get big, you know, their books really, you know, really sell it or their, or their publishers do, but, you know, I, I feel like there needs to be a place for that because, you know, like, kind of like you said, you know, who knows, who knows if you would have gotten the reviews or, you know, anything. I mean, I know you would have gotten your carcass because that's, you know, that's, that's on you, but uh, you know, with, with blogs and stuff, I mean, you, you kind of got to, you got to do a lot of legwork and then just hope yeah. that legwork pays off. Yeah. And I enjoy it greatly. I enjoy it because uh, uh, I, I feel that the community is amazing. You know, community is really, is really amazing because you would expect people, you know, to be maybe jealous of each other and so on, but there are no, there is no animosity, no, 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 no negative feelings between people. It's just, just, I mean, I'm not sure how is it uh, in other genres, you know? Maybe it's only the satisfying sci-fi <laughs> Now I will I will say I, I feel like the jealousy isn't shown on social media. Sometimes there's some jealousy there. <laughs> I, I I will uh, I will say that I, I've been jealous of Patrick many a times. Uh, we we've actually known each other for, for a while. We used to we used to review on Book Nest uh, back in the day. That's kind of how we both got our start until he went to Novel Notions and I started mine. But yeah, I've, I've been jealous of him for a while and I still am. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's just the way it is. But, you know, you got to tell yourself, I'm like, everybody has their own thing. You just keep, you know, you keep going. Eventually, you know, you may get there, you may not. But, you know, the journey along the way is fun. I I, I don't think I'll ever be as, as big as a, a name as him. but I'm, so I'm enjoying on. what I've got. Yeah, no, he, he really is. But don't and he's got a great short. following on Goodreads and he's, he's earned that. I mean, he's, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm in a bunch of, of us reviewers and yeah, eventually it'll happen, but you know, yeah. I, I feel like I do pretty good for myself. So absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I'm talking about different kind of jealousy because this is this is a good jealousy. This is a kind of you know you have you have like like goal before you know before you and say okay this is this is where I'll get in a, in a few years you know mm -hmm. this is this is productive and this is positive. Same with Nijelazny, you know okay man this okay he writes better. <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh, but there is there are other kinds of jealousy you know and there is pettiness you know. Uh -huh. it, it can be petness when you know oh he did this blog post and it's 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 better than mine but i don't see that in the sci-fi and fantasy reviewer community i mm -hmm. don't see it so 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 i see only the only the productive things you know and this is great so, yeah you see people lifting each other up which which yeah. is always great i mean you you know you you see every now and then uh I mean, of course, if you're on Twitter, you see you see people trying to stir the pot every now and then, but then you see like the leagues of people that come after them. So it's <laughs> it's it's pretty great to see. I mean, you you know, you always have the 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 couple of topics that for some reason come back annually because there's what one person that didn't see it, but you know, uh, you know, if somebody ever comes out and does something outlandish, that they're they're gonna get found up pretty quick and get tons of tweets at them. So. But yeah, the, the book community has been great. It's, you know, and I, I feel like since the pandemic started, it's gotten even better. Um, I feel like, you know, because mo most people are, are have a little more time for social media and have a little more time for engagement. And stuff. So I feel like that that's definitely helped. Um, to get back to you, though, let's not talk about me. We're here to talk about you. Um, let's talk <laughs> about Tower of Mud and Straw. Um, so I want to know 
tell, tell the audience a little bit about the novella um, and then uh, tell me about your inspiration for the story. Sure. Um, first, first of all, I mean, this is a very, um, I would say it's a very unusual fantasy, you know, because uh, a lot of reviewers tried to pin down the exact genre and just a lot of people just give up. Okay, this is, uh, I can't I can define this. It has different elements. It has steampunk elements, as you've mentioned before. It has uh, gas lamp, very strong gas lamp fantasy elements. It has science fantasy elements. Uh, but it's, I mean, it has all of this DNA strands, but it's neither uh, a classical gas lamp fantasy, neither it is a steampunk, neither it is a science fantasy. Uh, and the truth is that, that those elements are there mainly for the stylistic purposes, you know, mm -hmm. because, I mean, theoretically speaking, I could have done without the airships, you know, <laughs> so that just, uh, I mean, then of course it's, it's difficult to explain why you have the anti-airship tower, but I could have thought of, about something, but it's cool. It's cool mm -hmm. to have, to have characters traveling on an airship. Um, so it's 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 unusual. It has it's also very eclectic in terms of time periods because you have uh, stuff. You have medieval castles, like the the Olandek castle is is obviously very medieval. Uh, at the same time, you have industrialization era workshops. When you move into the into the third part of the story, third act, and uh, at the same time, you have uh, uh, again airships, zeppelins, you know, which are very much early 20th century. So it has this this mix of elements. Uh, and I hope I think they work together. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the uh, uh, one of the ways I approached this was I separated the elements in, in, in space, you know, so you have like airships in the in the capital, you have medieval castles in the province, you have workshops in the in, you know, in some other part of the of the country. Uh, and uh, uh, the the characters, I think, are also not what you would expect from 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 traditional fantasy, because you have the, the this disgraced lord who is who is uh, tasked with the construction of the tower or with overseeing the construction of the tower. One of the main characters is the chief engineer of the tower, who harbors a secret, you know, connected to the to the construction. Uh, so it's uh, I would say it's unusual. And this is this is for me the main song. And but honestly, I mean, if if you take a, an air airship tower and you drop it into the middle of the fantasy story, then you know old bets are off as to what will happen. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel I feel like there's also just like a it's like a smidge of horror in it. Oh yeah, especially yeah. in the last act. Um, yeah. But but so I mean. You just have to come up with your own genre for it, I guess. You just need to make up one, and then we'll just start calling it that and get it trending. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. Like, like people would, you know, like 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 five years down the road. You remember that Tower of Monstro that that started this genre? You know, I would love that. Yeah, I mean, because you know, it, yeah, it might. I mean, you you got weird fictions. We'll call it unusual fiction. We'll get that. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Uh, what was the inspiration for the story? There were multiple inspiration streams, and uh, the tower itself. Uh, we have those anti, uh, well, not anti airship, but anti, anti, you know, anti Luftwaffe, uh, sorry, anti anti Allied planes towers in the in, in Vienna because Vienna was under under Nazis during the Second World War, of course, and they built those towers to protect the city against Allied planes. And uh, the towers look look really horrible. <laughs> this is just 
like like huge bolts of concrete some giant tried to screw into the ground mm-hmm. and they're everywhere uh like six towers in in vienna and like one of them is i, I live near algarve this is a baroque garden you know like like mozart walked his dog there or something you know and then in the middle of this baroque garden you have this this horrible uh, uh you know concrete uh, thing you know and they the city tried to demolish them they tried to blow them up but apparently they were built so well <laughs> that you can't do that they were built to withstand aerial bombardment man so just you can't you can't you know they they tried to blow them up but uh you know a few buildings cracked somebody w- woke up with a coronary but the the, the towers the towers st- stand to this day so they were uh so i had i had some some uh, blueprint for the for the tower itself and then the inspiration for the story um i had in 2019 at the end of the year i had a writer's block or at least i thought i had a writer's block so i just i had a few stories outlined uh i had them you know parts of them written down and i just couldn't get it going you know i, I would put things on page and then oh no i don't know i will just procrastinate watch youtube whatever couldn't get myself to write and i started researching on the internet how to battle writer's block because that's you know what we do nowadays we just everything we encounter okay i should research that you know and this is a good thing it's yeah. a good thing um and people come people are incredibly creative they can't can come up with with uh, immense ways to battle that problem for example one thing i read was you need to for each scene you need to just write down the adjectives on paper and cluster them so cluster mm-hmm. them by smell by, by by look by by sound other people said okay you need only one thing you need a software which blocks out the entire screen which blocks out so you can't you can't just just switch the the windows and um you know look at twitter or something you just have you don't have any other way but to write but i mean uh, the the uh, it's it, it it probably works to some extent but then you can just walk away from the computer <laughs> so so it didn't work neither of those methods worked and i started I started thinking okay what was um, the real reason what are the, the root cause what was why couldn't i be writing and i understood that i wasn't fascinated for the character the, the characters didn't fascinate me they were it was, it was interesting stories interesting setups but i really i didn't care what happened to the characters and in the in the final analysis this is what matters so you have to have characters which you deeply care about and then this will make the audience care for them and we want to hear the stories about people we care about you know because mm-hmm. for example if, if i told you a story i don't know like like i was in a cafeteria yesterday and a guy barfed there and it was, okay well what's the point of this just just makes me feel you know ugh, uneasy <laughs> but if there's this this was a person whom we knew you know somebody from from you know an acquaintance of ours this would immediately turn interesting so what happened afterwards did they call the ambulance what happened what, what happened to the guy you know so this is the difference between caring for for the character and not caring for the character um and i started thinking okay what do i need to uh whom can i think of which characters would i really care about and i thought okay which professions what would be interesting to write about and i thought okay an architect probably an architect that's interesting but the problem is i know nothing about architecture and i thought okay the the, the research period for this will be like two years maybe and i will have to do probably master studies 
to really get in, get in, get into, into that spirit. But maybe a guy who oversees the construction, mm-hmm. and then it just just came together suddenly. You know, the the, the guy who oversees the construction and the, the the flag towers from 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 Vienna just just came together, and I wrote the the whole outline in two days. And if if, if you if you compare the outline to the to the book which came out in the end, they're almost no. There are certain deviations, but I almost uh, followed. I followed the the outline almost to one hundred percent. We did huh. cut some. We did cut some stuff out, you know, to to fit into the novella length. Mm-hmm. A few scenes, so it's possible to do a director's cut on this one. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. Do you have a director's cut edition? Yeah, I mean, we need to do this at some at some point, some point down the line. And I think what would be great a director's cut edition for Tower and Mountain Straw, together with uh, with the correspondence between me and, and the editor, because we we exchange a lot of letters, you know, and we we discuss certain certain scenes, certain characters, certain uh, certain uh, you know storylines. So B. Morris Allen, who is who is the editor of Metaphorosis and who was the editor for for Tower. He, uh, uh, I owe a lot to him. I owe, I owe a lot to his editorial influence, and he actually gave me my voice back. Because when uh, when I um, uh, when I was r- r- writing in, in Russian, I, I was you know my, my prose was very lyrical, and I loved the you know the poetry in prose, this kind of thing. And then when I switched to English. I was repeatedly being told by people, okay, so what you need to write, you need to write dry in, in a dry journalistic style. That's the way to go. Just, uh-huh. just do that. And I thought, okay, well, it's a pity I cannot write, you know, in, in the old style any longer. But I mean, this is the way to go, obviously. Uh-huh. And then, and then when I when I first first published with with Morris and in in, in the Metaphorosis magazine, he he told me uh, after some time, okay, I like what you're doing, you know, but the, the the prose it it feels like a, a bit workmanlike, you know. And I said, yeah, but, but I mean, I thought that that was the point. And and gradually, uh, like over the span of two years, uh, I got back to the to the way I was before I switched from Russian to English. Mm-hmm. So now and now I'm kind of uh, I'm I'm happy with you know with the way with the way my, my prose sounds, and that's a huge thing. And I'm thankful to him for for bringing me to this you know to this place. You should be happy with it. It's it's freaking gorgeous. Uh, I I loved I loved reading it. I uh, thank you. I, I'll give you I'll give you a hint. In my review, I said it's some of the best prose I've ever read. Man, and it, it, it's up there with my with some of my faves like Mark Lawrence and Anna Smith Spark. It's Man, thank you. Amazing. I loved it, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt that you've got the actor who plays Syria Pharrell. From Game of Thrones too in your audio. So <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so and we still remain in touch, you know. And he the other day he 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 uh, retweeted one of one of one of my tweets. So um we still we still remain in touch. And he's a great guy. He's a really great That's guy. Awesome. Really That's awesome. Uh, really a gentleman and uh and also he did this. I mean I gave him very little direction i just you know said okay the the general tone of the story is is this you know so so it it's it's kind of like like you're thinking of something it's uh, but it's not quite there it's in your past mm-hmm. and and he just nailed it man he's just nailed every single character uh, I was, absolutely 
It was it was phenomenal. Um, so I want to I want to ask uh, a couple more questions. So what uh what do you do outside of writing? What is your what's your like full time full time gig until you become a full time writer? <laughs> <laughs> if ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I work at a bank and I'm a software engineer. So um, it's um it's it's a it's a great place great place to work with a lot of uh, possibilities for creativity, but. Of course, admittedly, not as great as writing, <laughs> but it's uh, I'm, I'm thankful to have this job. It's the great mm -hmm. people, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's cool. As for the hobbies, uh, I now less than before, but I still play classical and electric guitar. And uh, I uh, used to used to take lessons from a wonderful New York based uh, guitarist, Kevin Gallagher. And actually some of his advice which he gave which he gave me for the guitar i applied to writing uh -huh. because interestingly enough you know uh, although the of course it's there's a different different avenues of uh, artistic expression but still some things apply some things are very similar like for example in a song you have tension you have release you have build up uh, i mean they're they sound different but uh, uh -huh. uh, the, the, the principles are there and what he told me, I think I, I, I talked about this at the TBR con. Um, on on the classical guitar, you you play polyphony, so you, you play uh, lead, for example, lead and bass lines on one guitar at the same time. And of course, the problem here is how to make them audible to the to the audience, how to make, make them distinct. And I asked him that, okay, Kevin, how do I do that? So this is very simple, Yari. If you're playing, you're listening to your own playing. And you hear those distinct lines, and you love in them. Then this is what the audience will, uh, you know, will hear. And this is this is kind of a very counterintuitive thing, I think, for for um, for for music because your kind of your initial instinct will be to play for the audience, you know, not for yourself, for the audience. But uh, and this is not only Kevin. I, I saw a video of Bowie the other day, and he said, "Never, never play for the gallery. Never play for the gallery." In a sense that that you you have to be out there, but you have to play using your own sensibilities, you know. And if if you're loving that, then the audience will will love this too. And this was, I think, the most valuable advice he gave me. And this is the advice which I also applied applied to my writing. I mean, obviously, you have to play for the gallery a little bit, right? Because you have like with the, with those beginnings, you have to have certain components to make it palatable. Mm -hmm. But uh, as far as expressive instruments go, you know, you should go with your own sensibilities and your own judgment. And if you're loving it, then the audience will love this too. So I still play classical guitar, but not as much as before. Now writing is take, taking up a lot of more time. Writing doesn't take up any time. Get like five minutes to 5,000 words, you're good, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a slow writer. I'm a slow writer. I, I, I produce. I know, I, know, I know how that feels. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last question I got for you. What, um, what are some books you've read recently that you'd recommend? Like uh, this six volume story, short story collection was Lazny man. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's really good. It's half of, of, of the stuff in there. Uh, people probably have never read. And it's really good. It shows how what a beautiful uh, writer Zelazny was, you know. So I definitely re recommend this. This even if you can, you know, if you can get all the six books, 
like the road to amber you know the amber stories which take place after the the second amber chronicles and there's a great the first volume which which uh, you know shows you how he progressed through the years how he developed his craft these are amazing okay Fantastic. Well, uh, everybody that's watching, so uh, Tower of Monstral is out now. Uh, you can get it in ebook and paperback format. Um, it is a phenomenal read. I actually just finished it yesterday. Uh, so it, my review will be up. So this will actually say, we'll say today because this is actually going to come out tomorrow. So on the 26th, <laughs> my review will come out with this video, um, as well as, uh, as my co blogger Justin's, uh, to go along with the blog tour for Tower Munstraw that ends tomorrow, correct? So I guess it ends the same day as everything comes out. So we're going to end, end on a bang. <laughs> exactly. It ends on a total bang. I couldn't. But I would tell, you know, definitely recommend you go check it out. Uh, do you know when the Audible uh, or the audiobook actually drops? I don't know yet, but I have to, okay. to discuss it with my publisher. But it will drop definitely. Okay. We're not we're not we're not leaving this stuff on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I I got a super secret copy of it, so <laughs> as I know it's not out yet, but I definitely want to listen to the finished version when it's out. So I'll make sure I grab a copy too. But Yaroslav, uh, I want to just tell you how thankful I am for you for, for being a part of TB Icon to to just being a wonderful person to, to chat with on social media and especially uh, on camera and just for writing a wonderful novella so tower bun straw definitely go grab it and uh you also thank you so much for being here i appreciate you taking the time to, to come chat with me i appreciate you doing this interview and david thank you so much it was great pleasure absolutely we'll uh we'll do it again i, I know we will <laughs>